I mean that with everything in me. Good morning. It is a good morning. And I'm so glad that you are here for the start of our brand new series, Yes, Holy Spirit. Just kicking it off this morning. And, you know, at the Vineyard, we are a people of the Spirit. You know, at uh, uh, different churches, some, some, as I mentioned a moment ago, uh, don't even talk about the Holy Spirit or, or, or maybe just a little bit or one aspect of, of His work, but, but we are a people of the Spirit. We believe that God sent His Spirit to live in us, to empower us, sent His Spirit to mold us and to shape us and to form us into the image of Christ. And we believe and anticipate that He is active in our lives. We look for His work and we try to partner with Him in His work. It's through the Holy Spirit working on us that two things happen. One, our lives are changed. Our lives are changed by, by the Holy Spirit working in our lives. You know, lasting change does not come by our own efforts. It doesn't come by our own striving, our own trying to just change, you know, uh, uh, um, modify our behavior and so forth. It happens as the Holy Spirit works in us. And we respond to him by saying, yes, yes, Holy Spirit. Second thing that happens is we are empowered then, as we are changed, we are empowered to bring the kingdom of God to people around us and see their world change. You and I didn't just come to Christ so that we could, you know, one day go to heaven and, and, and be with him. We are here to live for him, to live with him. And we have work to do. We've got a mission to accomplish. There are so many people that do not know Jesus Christ, that do not know his love, that, that do not know the difference he can make in, his, in, in their lives. And, and we are empowered. The Holy Spirit empowers us to bring the kingdom of God to people all around us and see their world change like our world changes. You know, when God has a, has a plan, and that, impl- that plan involves you and it involves me, and it's a plan that honestly requires us to say, yes, Holy Spirit, have your way in me, change me, empower me, use me. I want you to think, can you just imagine the impact that we can have in our community and in the lives of those around us if we learn to just say, Yes, Holy Spirit, if that becomes our default, instead of our default being, well, I don't know about that, or you really want me to say this, you really want to use me, that person over there like, you know, is, 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 can, can speak so much better, can, can talk so much better, can do... If our default was just we hear the Holy Spirit talk to us and we just say, yes, Holy Spirit, can you imagine the change, the impact we can have on this community, on Bloomington, Indiana? If you can't imagine that, just take a look at the impact that the early disciples had on Jerusalem and the world around them. And then think about this. The reason they were able to have that impact is because the Holy Spirit lived in them and worked through them. And they said, yes, Holy Spirit. Guess what? It's the same Holy Spirit that lived and worked through them and in them then lives and works and breathes in, in us and works through us. 
So for the next four weeks, we're going to be doing, we're going to dare to imagine what it looks like to say, yes, Holy Spirit, I'll let you change me. Yes, Holy Spirit, I'm here for you to use me. Yes, Holy Spirit, I'm ready for you to use me. Yes, Holy Spirit, yes, 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 whatever you say, my answer is yes. Today we're going to talk about the Holy Spirit changing us and look at how that happens. How, how does He help us to become more like Christ? How does He change our lives you know, to, to, so that we become more like God intended us to be and live the life that God intended us to live? We're going to begin by reading a passage from the book of Colossians. Paul's writing to the believers in Colossae, and he says this, starting verse verse 1, chapter 3. Since you've been raised to new life with Christ, set your sights on the realities of heaven, where Christ sits in the place of honor at God's right hand. Think about the things of heaven, not the things of earth. For you died to this life, and your real life is hidden with Christ in God. And when Christ, who is your life, is revealed to the whole world, you will share in all his glory. So put to death the sinful earthly things lurking within you. Have nothing to do with sexual immorality, impurity, lust, and evil desires. Don't be greedy, for a greedy person is an idolater, worshiping the things of this world. Because of these sins, the anger of God is coming. You used to do these things when your life was still part of this world, but now is the time to get rid of Anger, rage, uh, uh, malicious behavior, slander, and dirty language. Don't lie to each other, for you've stripped off the old sinful nature and all its wicked deeds. Put on your new nature. Be renewed as you learn to, to know Christ your Creator and become like Him. In this new life, it doesn't matter if you're Jew or Gentile, circumcised or uncircumcised, barbaric, uncivilized, slave or free. Christ is all that matters. And he lives in all of us. If I want to see change in my life, not just change in my circumstances. Sometimes we say we talk about changed lives and all we're talking about is we want our circumstances to get better. We want to be out of debt. We want our health to be better. We want you know, our, our relationships to all be restored. And, and I'm not talking about circumstances. If we want real change, if I want real change in my life, change inside of me, then here's how to see that happen. First off, for change to come, I need to begin to see myself through the Father's eyes. I need to begin to see myself through the Father's eyes. So many people get stuck right here because they never learn to see themselves the way that God sees them. When you begin to see yourself how the Father in heaven sees you. When you begin to see yourself through His eyes, it will change your life. It'll shatter falsehoods and lies that you believe about yourself. It'll break the power of words spoken against you and spoken over you from others. Simply by seeing ourselves the way that God sees us. But so many get stuck right here because we can't see that. How does he see us? I mean, there are so many verses to look up, so many verses that, that, that um, um, talk about how, that, share, that show us how God sees us. I want to look at one in this passage right here. Verse 1, he said, you have been raised to new life with Christ. 
How does God see you? He sees you as raised to new life. He sees you in your new life, not your old. He is, he, he's not looking at who you once were. He's looking at who you are. Verse 7 there, you used to do these things. You used to be like this, but not anymore. Not anymore. 1 Corinthians 6, Paul says, don't you realize that all who do wrong will not inherit the kingdom of God? And he goes on to list all kinds of things that previously defined who they were. And then he says, and that's who some of you were, past tense. He says, but you were cleansed, you were made holy, you were made right with God, and that's how God sees you, not how you used to be, but who you are in Him, right with God. That's how He sees you when you're a believer. When you come to Christ, He redefines you. So many people walk in what the enemy defines them as. And they let the enemy define them rather than walking in who God says they are. And God says you are His child. He says you are loved. He says you are the apple of His eye. He says you are more than a conqueror. He says you matter to Him. He says you're seated with Him in heavenly places and so much more. God's not looking at all the times you stumbled and fell. He's looking at the times you got up. He's looking at your new life, not your old life. Your old life is gone, the new has come. Your life will change when you begin to see yourself as God sees you. In addition, your life will change when you begin to see others the way God sees them. When you begin to see others through the Father's eyes. Verse 11, in this new life, in this new life, it's not true of the old, but in this new life, it doesn't matter if you're a Jew or Gentile, circumcised or uncircumcised, barbaric, uncivilized, slave-free, Christ is all that matters, and He lives in all of us. Here's what we need to realize. When we come to Christ, all of us come the same way on our knees. No one has any advantage over anyone else. It took Christ's death on the cross and nothing less for me to be made right with God. It took Christ's death on the cross and nothing less for you to be made right with God. It takes Christ it took Christ's death on the cross and nothing less for anyone to be made right with God. Nobody can boast that they were somehow more deserving than anyone else. And we can't look at anyone else as if we're somehow better or they have farther to go than I had. We can't look at anyone that way. Christ died for them just like He died for you and for me, and I'm not more deserving of what Christ has done for me than anyone else, no matter who they are. No matter who a person is, or where they are from, or what they've done, or how they got here, God sees them as someone created in His image for Him to love. It's not one person ever created that doesn't matter to God. And if they matter to Him, then they need to matter to us. When we begin to see people as God sees them, it'll change our hearts, and when our hearts change, our lives will change. 
Third thing that we need to begin to see differently if we want to see real change come to our lives is our circumstances. It's time we begin to see our circumstances through a kingdom filter. Through the lens of God's rule, not this earth's system. And I would suggest that most believers do not see their circumstances through a kingdom filter. Most do not. In our passage here in second part of, of verse 1 into verse 2, it says, Set your sights on the realities of heaven, where Christ sits in the place of honor at God's right hand. Think about the things of heaven, not the things of, of earth. He says, Set your sights on the realities of heaven, the realities, the truths, the certainties. What does that mean to set our sights on the realities of heaven? It means that we begin to view the circumstances and events of our lives through the lens of what God says. Through a kingdom focus, a kingdom lens, a kingdom filter. If your situation, for example, if your situation tells you that there's no hope, then look past your situation, look past your circumstances to the God of all hope. And instead of letting your circumstances dictate your expectations, instead of letting your circumstances dictate your attitude, instead of letting your circumstances dictate the way you are going to approach the things in your life, let the Holy Spirit dictate that. Let the Holy Spirit dictate your expectations. Let the Holy Spirit dictate your attitudes. Let the Holy Spirit dictate how you're going to approach the things in your life. This verse, I love this verse. It's not in your outline. You can write down the reference. It's a good one to memorize, Romans 15, 13. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in Him so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. I want you to think about your day-to-day -day life and ask yourself, do I overflow with hope every day? When I look at the tough circumstances I'm going through, do I overflow with hope? If you view life through a kingdom filter, you do. Because you know that the Holy Spirit never speaks despair. He's always a voice of hope. And there is no situation that is beyond hope when God starts to work. If there was, God wouldn't be God. I saw a news story this week, I'm sure most of you have probably seen it too, uh, of a man who was a longtime atheist and was dying of lung cancer. Anybody see that story? Longtime atheist, dying of lung cancer, and he was wheelchair bound, he was dependent on oxygen, and after the longtime prayers of his family, he gave his life to Christ and he wanted to be baptized. So the chaplain of the University of Alabama Hospital in Birmingham and a number of the hospital staff got together and they arranged for a chairlift. They arranged for a lift to lower him into a pool of water. And after spending his life as an atheist, far from God, not knowing God, he gave his life to Christ. He was baptized. Six days later, he passed. I have someone close to me that I have been praying for for a very long time that is an atheist. His wife is an atheist. 
fact, she was at one time the vice president, I think, of the Atheist Club for their state. Let me tell you, sometimes it can be discouraging and we can be, or we can be, become easily discouraged when we pray for something year after year and it seems like nothing is happening. We can be discouraged or we can look through a kingdom lens, a lens of hope, and keep praying. When we're faced with the problem, when we're faced with a tough circumstance, what do we set our sights on? The obstacles, the challenge, the circumstances, the difficulties and impossibilities that are telling us there's no hope, so we might as well give up? Or do we look at our circumstances through a kingdom filter? a lens that holds up the promises of God and the character of God and the reality of what God says so that our circumstances are viewed through that. I want us to look at, a, at, at something that Jesus said. It's not in your notes, so write down the reference because it's something that I never fully understood until this past year. Matthew chapter 6, verses 22 and 23. I'm going to comment as I, as I read through it. Jesus said, the eye of the lamp is the body. In other words, our eye is the lens through which we view the world. It determines how we see and interpret what happens. It's, it, it's a lens that filters the events of our life, okay? Then Jesus said, if your eye is healthy, and in other words, if, if the lens or the filter through which you are looking at life is healthy, if it's a true filter, if it's a kingdom filter, then Jesus says, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eye is bad, in other words, if your filter is wrong, if the lens is cloudy so we're not able to see accurately, we're not able to see and interpret things through the lens in the kingdom of God, then he says, your whole body will be full of darkness. So the light within you is, if the light within you is darkness, how deep is that darkness? It's all about the filter through which we view life and the, thing, the circumstances that we are in and what's going on around us. It's so important to view life through a kingdom filter. And, you know, it, if it's not our default... If that's not our default, we need to train our minds to do that, to, 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 to make that to be our default. When God prompts me to do something and everything around me or everyone around me, every voice around me says, you can't do it, then I look through a kingdom filter and I know I can because God's the one who told me to do it and he will never tell me to do something that I cannot do with his strength, which he promises to give me. A kingdom filter enables us to see through the reality of a biblical worldview, not that of our culture. It filters out the lies, it filters out the falsehoods, it filters out the faulty belief structures we've each brought into, bought into over the years. So where do I get this kingdom filter and how do I begin to see differently 
First of all, I need to look through the lens of Scripture. That's what I look through. That's the lens. Truth is found in Scripture. It's not found in our circumstances. It's found in Scripture. John 6.63 says, It is the Spirit who gives life. The flesh is no help at all. The words that I have spoken to you are spirit and life. I can never emphasize enough the importance of regularly picking up this book or opening the app on your, bio, on, on your phone and getting into God's Word, getting into the Scripture, reading the Scripture, feeding on the truth of Scripture. Because that's how I'm going to be able to look through a kingdom lens is by, by getting to know the truth of Scripture. There's no other way. No other way, no shortcut, no other way to develop a kingdom worldview than to incorporate the scriptures into our lives. No other way we can really learn to see, how, see ourselves as God sees us. No other way that we can really begin to see others through God's eyes. So, you know, if, if this is something you struggle with, you struggle with getting into this book, I did for years. If it's something you, you, you have a hard time with, ask God to give you a hunger and a thirst for his word. Say, God, I want to get into your word, but every time I do, you know, I, all of a sudden I get tired or I get distracted or this happens or that happens. Ask him for such a hunger and thirst that nothing will keep you away from this word. I saw this in Lisa when she first gave her life to Christ. When she gave her life to Christ in, in, in uh, March of, of 78, I saw that in her. There was such a hunger and thirst in her for the scripture her life changed radically. And it's because while I'm sitting out there watching TV, she was back in the room with a little pocket NIV New Testament, just as the NIV was coming out. Little green pocket New Testament. She still has it sitting on her shelf at home. She was in that thing night and day all the time. She had a, a thirst for God's Word and a hunger for God's Word that could not be quenched. God will give you that. God will give you that. I prayed for years for that, and, I, and I, he's giving me that because I, 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 I can't go without it. And he will do it for you. Just ask him. Ask him. In addition to looking through the lens of Scripture, we must also train ourselves to listen to the voice of the Spirit. God is not silent. God is speaking all the time. Maybe not with an audible, audible voice, although he can, and at times he does. I've never heard it, but I know a lot of people who have. I mean, to think that he can't do that is to say that he's not God. Oh, God, I know you can do all these things, but I know you can't speak audibly. Oh, yeah, that doesn't make sense. But whether he speaks audibly or whether he speaks through his word or, or dreams, visions, any of the ways he speaks... He is always speaking. He's always telling us. He's always trying to get through to us. And, and you know, but the, the question is, how often are we listening? Are putting, how often are we putting ourselves in a place to hear what he's saying? How often do we really expect him to answer? Jesus said in, in John 10, 27, my sheep hear my voice, listen to my voice. I know them and they follow me. One of the things I love about Vineyard School of Kingdom Ministry is you learn to train yourself to hear His voice. And in so doing, you learn that He speaks a lot more than we realize. If we will just take the time, say, okay, God, I'm listening. He speaks a whole lot more than we realize. 
His voice is learned in regular quiet times and through the practice of listening. But the problem is we have a worldview that doesn't really allow for the regular hearing of the voice of the Spirit. But as we begin to look through the lens of Scripture, it's full of instances of God talking to His people. And here's something to think about. Even those that were not His followers. As you look throughout Scripture, start to look for times when God spoke to somebody or sent a message to somebody through an angel. Somehow communicated, spoke to somebody that was not following Him. You'll see it in both the Old and New Testaments. Just look for it as you read. Third thing, if we want to see real change come to our lives, is we need to choose to believe that His truth is my reality. And that's huge. We have to choose who we're going to believe, God or our circumstances. Who are we going to listen to? Which one's telling the truth? God or our circumstances? The enemy lies. Our circumstances lie. And Jesus is the truth. Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth, and life. No one comes to the Father but, me, but by me. He is the truth. And when your circumstances leave you with no hope, Jesus speaks hope. And hope is, the, is, is truth, because that's what Jesus speaks. Who you're going to choose to believe when the enemy or other people or even yourself keep reminding you of all your failings. Don't listen to that. Ignore that voice. Choose to listen to what God says. 2 Corinthians 5.17 says, This means that anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. The old life is gone, a new life has become. If you're in Christ, you're not defined by who you once were. You were a new person. Several weeks back, we talked about Paul's comparison of when Apostle Paul compared uh, the practice of Roman adoption with uh, our adoption to, into God's family. And one of the things that happened was that once you were adopted, who you used to be no longer had any claim or hold on you. Who you used to be ceased to exist. According to Roman law, it ceased to exist. In the eyes of the law, you were a completely new person. Any old debts, if you owed anybody money, were completely wiped out. That old person no longer existed. You were fully and legally a new person. So if we belong to Christ, we are a new person in Him, and we need to choose to walk in that identity. Colossians 3.10, put on your new nature and be renewed as long as you learn to, to know your Creator and become like Him. In other words, when you come to Christ, the Holy Spirit begins to, to work change in your life, and immediately you become a new person. And that's where it starts. God wants to use you. He wants to use me. He wants to use us to bring about change in the lives of our neighbors, our family, our friends, our city. People we work with. People we have interaction with every day. But first... He wants to bring about some change in us. 
wants to form us, you and me, into the image of Christ. He wants to take us experientially our day-to-day lives and change our day-to-day lives so that the way that we're living and the way that we're walking and the way that we're talking and the way that we're viewing life lines up with what he says about us in his word. I know who I am in Christ. I know who he says I am. But I confess I don't always walk in that. But I want to. He wants to bring about change in us. And as he does that, then he can bring about change through us. So let's pray. And let's open our hearts and invite him to work. Let's say, yes, Holy Spirit. And begin right here. You can close your eyes, you can leave them open, I don't care. But I invite you to join me in praying. If you want to say yes, Holy Spirit, starting with allowing him to change your life and who you are, then pray with me now. Holy Spirit, we say yes to you. We welcome you into our lives. Open our eyes that we may see your work. Let me see myself as the Father sees me. Let me see others through the eyes of the Father. Help me see my life through a kingdom filter. Open our ears that we may hear your voice. Open our eyes that we may see your hand. Lord, baptize us with your Holy Spirit. We say yes in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. I'd like to invite the worship team to come up.